Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's another week. It's another episode. It's the podcast of the moment. These are the facts co-hosted by myself. Hello, I am Mary Beth and my dynamic duo other half, Miss Brooke. Hello, I hope everyone is doing well today. We have a very interesting topic for you all and it took a lot of self-reflection on our end. So please be prepared. Yes, I felt that as we were coming into the end of the summer of MB and the summer of Brooke, that there was really no better time for us to kind of look back and talk about living with regrets and sort of how that can affect us. Yeah, regrets is... It's a big topic. That's, you know, that covers a lot of things. What we regret doing, what we regret not doing, and, you know, how it feels to live with regrets. Like, this is, this is going to be a lot. This took a lot of self-reflection and digging deep on my end. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I originally had the idea for the episode because one thing that I talk about a lot with my dad is, you know, he's gotten to this point where he officially has fully retired this year, and he's, like, starting to... What? I said congrats, Will. Oh, yeah. Congrats to Willie Will, finally retiring, living his best life. But something we talk about a lot is how, you know, as more and more people get a college degree, there's kind of this idea of just going to college and getting a degree to prove that you can, like, dedicate yourself to something and you're showing a level of commitment. And basically, it's like soft skills training. And that a lot of people don't actually get get jobs in what they study in. And that kind of comes from people taking opportunities where they're given and never really saying no and kind of figuring out if you get into something and you don't necessarily like it, finding a pivot point to where you can use that experience to find something new. And so that was something that he had always really prioritized whenever he was going through school and getting all his degrees and then even in his professional and personal life as he got older he was like you know I look around at my peers and I look at people who have been living in the same house for 30 years and are miserable because they always said no to opportunities that came their way or they asked how you know a man who was very science driven and most of his education has been in hard science ends up as like the chief marketing officer and Mm -hmm. if you've ever met Will (laughs) you also kind of wonder how that combination comes to (laughs) (laughs) gotta love will though we do and so i think that's kind of why i wanted to talk about this because when i think about it i think that there's a lot of fear that's really associated with messing up and kind of taking the wrong step myself included in that when i you know in a professional aspect when i was job hunting i was really worried one might say too much worried about what other people would think about my job and the companies that I was getting offers from because the people back in my hometown, I went to a very privileged private school and a lot of those kids went to very expensive private colleges. And there was kind of like a shame in the fact that I went to a public university, but I don't believe in taking debt for your undergrad. And so I did what I needed to do and I'm very happy with my experience. And for the most part, it's provided me the exact same opportunities as every other person who went to a private university in Texas and is now $60,000 in debt. Yeah, I can totally relate to that, especially with the job aspect in regards to what 
you're worried about people are going to say I'm in the med school app cycle right now and I'm you know kind of going through battling worrying about what people are going to say about their the med school that I'm accepted to if I'm going to be accepted to a you know quote-unquote good enough one of more prestigious school something that is expected of me and if I don't do that or if I don't meet those expectations like how is that going to reflect on me and I think that you know it definitely weighs heavily and and I don't want to make a decision that I'm going to regret just because I'm worried about what other people think Mm -hmm. and I think for us social media plays a large hand in that because I don't know about you but LinkedIn is one of my favorite social media websites (laughs) and I spend way more time than I would like to admit on there trying to figure out like what my other peers are doing, how they ended up here, people that I'm working with now, you know, looking at them and, and their profiles and their experiences and, and really do I belong here? Or am I having imposter syndrome? And it's kind of, it, it, it makes you really second think everything that you've done and the journey that you take, because some people have a very stereotypical journey and some don't. And it, it just really makes you wonder, like, did I do, the right thing for myself and kind of think about, do you have regrets about roads not taken? Oh, for sure. And I mean, you know, I can't necessarily say, speak on the fact that LinkedIn is not my top social media <laughs> that I use, but you know me and my stalking skills. Yes. Um, and my, you know, love of just stalking everybody's lives and seeing that and seeing people's paths and what they've done. And I think that, Um, non-traditional paths should be more celebrated than they are you know you don't necessarily need to go high school college workforce Um, and if you do that's great but sometimes not everybody can do that and that's okay as well I agree and I think as I've gained more and more of like a larger social circle and I've been able to network with more and more people I've met a lot more people who have come from very similar backgrounds to myself who just were able to be like I am not ready for college. This is not something I want to do and have either gone and worked full time for a couple years or really a lot of them have gone into the Marines. I know for some reason, a large, strangely large number of Marines. And I think like you're saying, that's something that should be recognized and that's something that should be celebrated because honestly, there's a lot of people who are out here getting college degrees who don't need it, who have no business trying to get those degrees. And so I think the conversation is really going to start turning now, especially with huge amounts of student debt into how can these companies that are hiring mass amounts of young professionals really shift the education so that these people are graduating with the hard skills that these companies are looking for. I mean, now Google and a couple of other Salesforce big, big tech companies are partnering with coding academies to basically offer extended curriculums that are still less than like the traditional four-year college program that are graduating, you know, programmers and coders and IT people and people who are app developers in a short amount of time with the exact skill set that they're looking for. And it's basically a guaranteed job when you graduate. And who doesn't want to finish 16 months and be working at Google for $85,000? Correct. I mean, I have a friend who just graduated from USF this past spring when you Mm -hmm. graduated as well. And it took them nine years to finish undergrad because they had to work full time to support themselves and their family. And they had to take, 
you know, a few years off and they had to do what they needed to do to take care of their family and to, um, you know, take care of themselves and make sure that they could actually get through undergrad. But now they are, you know, they just graduated. They're working at a tech company that, you know, that you mentioned, and mm-hmm. they're, they're working as the director of sales, making like 150, 200 grand a year. Like the non-traditional path is not like should not be something that is shamed or is looked down upon. Yeah, and I think that conversation will continue to change, especially as more and more younger people become responsible for the recruitment roles that are really hiring for those entry-level positions so that they can start to grow people because more and more of millennials and Gen Zers and people in their young 40s are really starting to recognize that the environment has changed. You can't go get a job and work 10 hours a week and be able to pay for your school tuition like maybe you could have back when some of the mid to senior level executives could when they were in their undergrads, you know, and I think that not everyone is in a position to do that and not everyone wants to do that. And I think that's very valid. I'm also (laughs) a huge proponent for tech schools. Yes. I, I, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If that's something you prefer to do to work with your hands, that's an incredible skill set. I just had to pay someone $7,000 to replace my AC unit for three days of work. Yeah. Make a killing. Make it a killing. And like those jobs are jobs that we are always going to need. Like it just really, it really annoys me when people are very self-righteous and look down upon others for choosing a different path. Yeah. And it's not only in the professional world, because it's also in the personal world, because I think people have a huge fear of, diving into the unknown, you know, myself included in that, that's something that I have a larger fear of in my personal life because I, you know, like you don't want to misstep or some may say I have a habit of talking before I think. And so that can lead me down paths that are really like not great. And so having to navigate conversations and relationships that I haven't necessarily been productive or, been successful at navigating in the past can sometimes really put a damper on those future relationships that I've been building like one there was a man who had been in my life um for a couple years and it took probably two years for this man to like sit me down at breakfast one day and be like hey I don't know if you know this or not but you're pretty hard to get to know (laughs) (laughs) and I had no clue like what he was talking about because I thought I was pretty easy to get to know but what I had really realized once I walked away from that conversation steaming smoke blowing out of my ears (laughs) was that to a certain extent I think he was correct because I'm a lot easier to get to know I think on a friendship level than I am on a romantic level and I think even then I kind of pick and choose what I want people to see and what I want people to hide what I want to hide from people. I can definitely attest to that. My, my good friend, <laughs> I love you. However, <laughs> you are a struggle. <laughs> it takes a lot of chipping away small pieces to actually get to know you and not this facade of, that you want people to see. Yes. Yes. And I think that's because, you know, over time, I've 
I've looked at people who I idolize and who I want to become and who have been successful in areas where I want to be successful and been like, okay, these are the five skills and personas that I need to replicate that they do. And when something of my personality doesn't fit in that, then it kind of just gets shoved about to the side and shoved down for a future MB problem. Which is not necessarily healthy, but it's what we do. Correct. And I think that, you know, when I was thinking about this, because, because, okay, honestly, what had like spurred this idea other than my conversations with my dad was when I moved into my new house, I, in the master bedroom, got a king size bed put in there. And I have never slept in a king size bed by myself before. And I've grown up on like queens. That's what I had in my childhood. When you go to hotels, that's what you're on. And so I didn't realize how much bigger a king was from a queen. And so I was like laying there by myself. And and even then I'm like, you know, diagonal spread out and you could easily fit like three more bodies in this bed. And it just like made me sad because I was like, I like, I'm not going to have anyone to share like to share this aspect of me with there's there's no one for me to come home to there's no one that like checks in and asks me how my day is and while in college I kind of like pushed dating to the side because I was like I don't want to be in a relationship I have fears I have huge fears and huge walls when it comes to physical intimacy I'm like that's going to cause a problem it was always like I will take charge of that and really shove those fears out the wall and persevere, you know, next year in six months and three months next semester. And now, you know, I'm on TikTok and it's like this trend where it's like all these wildly successful women who graduated college, didn't have relationships. Now they have kick-ass jobs. Most of them have gotten like master's degree and they're like, that's great and all. But, like, would I rather a framed diploma or, like, a living, breathing human? Damn. Damn. And it, like, hit me because I'm someone who has always valued the framed diploma over a living, breathing human. But when I think about it, you know, as my parents get older, you know, when they die, there's my sister and I. You know, like, their legacy gets passed on to us. There's someone there who's still going to remember them fondly and think about them. But it's like, when I die, who's there? Casper the Friendly Ghost? (laughs) Like, there's not necessarily someone there if I don't make that a priority. And I still don't think I'm necessarily ready at this point to make it a priority to where, like, I'm looking to get married in the next two years because that still scares the living shit out of me because I want to come home and don't talk to me. I hate people. But, you know, there are times where I'm just kind of like, wow, it would be nice to have a plus one to this event. Or like, wow, I wish I could talk to someone about my day other than annoying my roommate with it 24-7 or sending five-minute voice messages to our best friend group chat, you know? like I love them, though. Like, like, you know, like someone who actually gives a shit about me getting stuck in an elevator for five minutes. And now my fear of elevators has grown astronomically. Well, I think so. I kind of want to jump in here because this really seg- segues really easily into what I wanted to talk about. All right, let's talk about it. Um, in regards to like internalized regrets, what regrets that are that you have because society has told you that you should. 
Okay. Like, me personally, and this was really speaking more on my end, um, but, like, having a boyfriend in college or having a relationship in general is something that I, like, really, you know, for the, long, for the longest time regretted not doing. Or on the flip side of that, I really regretted not going out and, like, being a full-blown hoe and like Mm -hmm. exploring you know my sexuality not exploring my sexuality but like exploring (laughs) my sexual preferences and life in college because like that's what college is for you know Mm -hmm. parties and sex and alcohol whatever and it's like woo yeah (laughs) but I didn't do that I didn't go either of those routes I've been single all of college but Mm -hmm. I also haven't really gone out and other than my one hook up from hell um like haven't really gone out and explored on that side either so it was definitely something that I was struggling with with like did I make my personal relationships in college like did I make that even worth it like did I waste all four years of college that's supposed to like best four years and the time that it's supposed to be this like did I just completely throw that out the door and I realized that I was only thinking that because of like these societal ideations of ideations of like what college is supposed to look like mm-hmm. and, and I, I think was like sorry go ahead no I was just saying that I I really had realized that like I don't regret um you know not having a boyfriend in college but I also don't regret not going out and like um fully exploring everything <laughs> and being a hoe I mean pro- props to anyone who is res- mad respect but you know I don't necessarily regret not doing that I think that I definitely grew in a lot of other areas in my personal life and it just kind of took me a while to realize that that was okay for me to not necessarily grow in that romantic relationship aspect yeah I also think you have to keep in mind and this is something that I talk about I literally had a conversation with my roommate about it last night and that we were talking about how these people my my cohort that's at this job that I'm in we had like a social hour on zoom and a lot of them are yes and a lot of them were moving to florida for the first time or moving to tampa for the first time and all these people wanted to talk about was all the outdoorsy things that they wanted to do and how they wanted to go paddleboarding and they wanted to go kayaking and they wanted to go to the downtown bars and and they wanted to go like run river walk and all these different things that God, could not sound less interesting to me. And I just had to like sit there. And of course, I'm going to participate in these things. Maybe not the rundown river walk because ain't nobody want to see that. But, you know, like these are the people I work with. These are the people I need to build relationships with. But someone who I'm looking for a long-term exclusive relationship with is gonna yeah. is gonna have to have the same to similar interests as myself, and that's just not someone that I'm going to meet, like you're saying, at a bar or in a club or from a one night stand, because that's just pe- not that people like that are bad, because they're not. A lot of my friends participate in that. Some of, one of my best friends, we're on a singles team forever, is what he calls it, and <laughs> you know he he has no plans in life and being in a monogamous relationship and and exclusive, and and I respect that and that takes a certain kind of dedication in and of itself to continually put yourself out there but yeah. like me putting myself out there is not gonna come from billy bob joe down at the bar who's trying to buy me a beer because he wants to get in my pants like i don't care billy bob joe that's not gonna lead to something that i'm interested in because you've already knocked two things off my list within this one interaction so 
I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's okay. And, and I also think, you know, you've also, something that really stuck out to me was that you, you said, like, maybe you're missing, you're missing um, traits that these men are looking for. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that that's something you have been told through the media that because you don't participate in these recreational activities, that that automatically means you can't get a boyfriend or there's not going to be men who are interested in building something with you. They may not be as forthcoming as Billy Bob Joe, who's trying to buy you a drink at the bar. It may take a little bit more time and a little bit more dedication, but you know, I mean, we've sat down together and when I've been down in the dumps about my relationship status, you've been like, Mary Beth, what are you doing? Like, let's run through your list of men. And (laughs) if if anyone can have that many men who are trying to get to know me and just me personally failing epically because I'm awkward and I don't pick up on things until six months later or until someone's like screaming it in my face or telling me that I'm hard to get to know. Like it, it just takes a little bit more and it's just a little bit of a different avenue. And I think that that's not something that's as talked about. Yeah. And I think like that, that's shamed as well. But that's just, I a hundred percent agree with you there. It's it's definitely it's definitely something that's not talked about enough. I, and I think kind of on the flip side of that is like I have I have a bunch of friends. My my Instagram feed is full of friends who are getting engaged and who are having kids and who are getting married and are kind of at that point where a lot of them are financially secure enough to where they're like, okay do I want to continue with my career or should I be a stay at home mom? And they feel like this responsibility to be a stay at home mom because that's, that's what their mom did or that's what their aunt did or that's what their best friend is doing or that's what they think society tells them that they need to do. And, you know, they do it. And then 10 years down the road, they're, they're having regrets about it, but they can't get back to the workforce because they've lost 10 years of experience. And God forbid, Billy Bob Joe from the bar who works in recruiting doesn't recognize the skill set that can come from raising children and passes her up. Yeah. And that's like, that's really, I think you really honed in on what I was, you know, going for with like, this is what society like do you you do you regret something because society has told you to regret it or because society has pushed you into this certain path and now you regret following that yeah and and i think for me when it comes around you know frequently one of one of the things that people kind of like push to me and again i'm 22 i have plenty of years left to live is is people are like okay well now that you've graduated college how are you going to meet your significant other? Like, what's your next game step? And I'm like, I don't know. My next <laughs> step in life is to go to the grocery store tomorrow and figure out how to get a cheaper gym membership <laughs> and register for my master's classes in the fall. That's what my next steps in life are. Anything past that, that's a tomorrow me problem. And it's not tomorrow. Correct. I... That was like you literally brought up exactly what I was gonna say next is that I think that this fear of mine, um, with regards to like a significant other is so ingrained in me right now and it's really hitting me that like I've been single all four years of college and like 
what if I don't meet the love of my life in college? Like, what? I'm literally 21 years old. I'm not going to meet the love of my life right now. Like, and if I do, that's great. But the probability of that happening is very low. And it doesn't need to happen right now. No, and the person you would want to marry now, there's a high chance that you're not going to want to be married to them in five years. So in my viewpoint, it's like, why waste my effing time? Correct. I have no interest in that. If, if, if I had looked back at the men that I was interested oh, in my God. freshman year. God. And, try, and you try to tell me that I'm supposed to be in a relationship with them now. No, I'm glad it didn't go f- further than one date, two dates, three dates, three months. Like, no. I, 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 you learn something from it. And I think that that's great. And I think that there's a lot from each failed relationship, you know, like, as my mom likes to tell me, you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you meet your prince. And I think there's some validity to that. But I think it's, it's, it's also like, you're, you're not going to kiss those frogs. You're not going to know what your prince is, what he looks like, who he is, until you have those interactions with those frogs. Otherwise, your first frog might have been your prince at the time. Yeah. And you, and you just have to figure that out. And I also think something that I would want to point out is to kind of think about this the next time you regret not being in a committed relationship is that would you have traded any of your best friends for a significant other? Oh, absolutely not. Exactly. So then to me, it's like, I'm glad that I invested my time where I did because I know that my friends are still going to be there and, and be there to support me. And I'm more likely and willing to take a risk and take a chance on that than a a man, you know, like I'm not going to try to dictate someone else's life. Yeah, I I 100% do not regret, you know, investing my time into my friendships and really growing my, my friendship circle these last few years, rather than just investing it into, not solely into one person, but you do, you do invest a lot of time into that, you know, that one person. And I think that the fact that I put so much time and energy into my friendships is one of the reasons why I feel like I am genuinely very happy with the amount of friends that I have right now mm-hmm. and like amount of close friends. I was actually talking about this with one of my other friends beforehand, um, like yesterday or something about how this is like the most friends I've probably ever had in my life right now. I have mm-hmm. probably like six to eight close, close friends, mm-hmm. which is a lot. But, like, for me, at least, um, I, like, normally have maybe two to three close, close friends. But the fact that I have, like, six to eight, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm proud. My friendship circle is, you know, is, is tight. And I, I love all the friends that I have. And I wouldn't trade any of them for anything. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to, like, another internalized regret maybe that people have or they feel like they should have is this idea that everyone has to have a large circle of friends to be happy yeah and I think for some people that's true and I think for others it's 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 not you know like me and you we have very small groups of close friends for different reasons. Me, because I put up a lot of barriers because I don't necessarily know how to like make that transition for some people. It does not come naturally to me. And, but I know like I have a very large 
group of people who are going to be in those tier two and tier three friendships. And and I just like, it's fully completely on me. I know that I keep them at arm's distance and it's just because I cannot have that many close people because I just get overwhelmed with it. And, and other things start to suffer because I try to spend so much time being actively present in those relationships that I can't manage all of them, you know, and then I'll be very bad at trying to like have all of them interact with each other and be like one large friend group because that works, that would work theoretically easiest for me when that might not theoretically work for all of them because some of them might not like each other or their personalities might not get along very well. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely have separate smaller friend groups. Like I have about like three, I think, just like Mm -hmm. three or four separate small friend groups of like two to three, three to four people in each group. And that works really well for me. Like, would it be theoretically easier to have six to eight people, whatever, thrown into one? I mean, yes, I guess. But then, like, sometimes your friends annoy you. You, you gotta, you know, sometimes your friends just annoy you and you want to get away. Or you've been hanging out with these people for four days straight and you just want to kind of take a break, take a breath. Mm-hmm. If those are the only friends that you have, who are you going to take a breath? Like, where are you going to go? I mean, yeah, you can go sit by yourself. But, like, if you want to hang out with somebody, I just feel like that causes a lot of friendships out of habit. I think so. And I think that can do a lot more destruction in the long term than than positive. And I just think it's something that people have grown to think is necessary over time. You know, uh, yeah. and it's it's just not for everyone. It doesn't work for introverts. It doesn't work for extroverted introverts. And I I think it also it, it also just like depends based on the life that you want to live and how you want to live it. If you're someone who likes to travel a lot, then you're most likely probably going to have a much larger friend group than someone who is much more of a homebody because you're going to go out more and you're going to travel more you're going to see more things you're going to meet people on your travels especially if you're a solo traveler you know and I think it it, it just fosters different things and different commitments and and I think that kind of comes down to the kind of the friends that you want to keep around you because your closest friends make up who you are you see different things in them that make up you yes I love I think the quote is like you are who your friends are yeah you are who you keep yeah Um, Yeah. I fully fully believe that and I think if you have a lot of negative friends or you look at your friends and you see a lot of like negative traits consistently with them Mm -hmm. um you should also probably look within yourself at that because it is most likely that yeah if you hate your friends you probably hate yourself correct I'll put that one out there (laughs) correct I I also think I want to add um sort of an internalized regret if I can yeah, I think that there is this idea in our generation that the only way to be successful is to be a work dog for the first couple of years. And I think that as people get older, they regret it. They wish that they hadn't worked so hard for such a yeah. long portion of their life because as people die or as they come to terms with death, whether that's through their own death or through someone's close to them, they realize you can't take money with you. 
you can't take positions of power with you. You can't take leadership with you into whatever you believe the beyond is, if that's something that you believe in. And I think, you know, it's something that we're starting to see in like the last generation and the quiet generation and boomers as they get up there because they've, they're the group of people who has had to work traditional nine to fives, eight to sevens, and, and, and they get nothing out of it. You get very little out of it. Yeah. And especially in America, because we have this mentality that you live to work. Oh, you, don't, yeah. you don't work to live. And that's something that's very in corporate America, especially in some of those top tier companies where it's basically like, you know, if you're going into investment banking, in, in certain companies, you're not going to have a work-life balance. You're, you're going to be working for 12 to 16 hours a day. And when you break it down, you're severely underpaid and undervalued. And a lot of the crap that your supervisors have you do never sees the day of life anyway. They just want to make you do something because someone made them do something. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have regrets about that or that's a potential area of regret. You know, because like myself, when I was talking about how I was trying to figure out the job, my job situation, when I um, ended up switching companies, one of the things I thought about was other than I cared way too much what other people would think about, you know, the drop in reputation of my companies was I like knew the first company that I picked, I probably was not going to have a great work life balance because that was just the expectation Mm -hmm. that I got from my internship. And that was what I had learned when I had networked with other people who were in the full-time positions is that you kind of had to sacrifice that. But once you did sacrifice it and you completed your program and you graduated, then you opened a lot of doors. And I just, it sat well with me initially because I am somewhat of a workhorse. I spend a lot of my time doing work. I'm not really great with hobbies. So it wasn't something that bothered me. But the more and more, I came to have to face that reality and listen to like my other friends who had graduated a couple of years prior or my sister's friends. And they had really talked about how, you know, they're three years now removed from college and they're just burnt out. Yeah. You know, that's and so, crazy. Yeah. And so like one of them got very prestigious offers from like the big four accounting firms and she just quit and moved to Miami to work as an accountant at a weed dispensary and the weed dispensary pays her pretty much like one and a half times her salary and she works significantly less hours and she lives in Miami now. I think it's crazy that people can be maybe 25 years old and already burnt out because of how hard we have driven our young people like you said like the idea that you only are going to have a an acceptable life if you just work to like a horse for the beginning half of your life but like I think people fail to realize that this is also your life like your life is right now Mm -hmm. and you have to live it there's no one else that's gonna live it for you correct yeah and that's something I've learned because even as I've been in college you know I, my freshman year, worked to really put myself in a position to where I was able to take on lots of leadership opportunities and internships, you know, at the end of my freshman year. And so my sophomore and junior years were very challenging for me because I, if I wasn't at 115%, 
I felt like I wasn't doing anything. You know, I'm sleeping five yeah. hours a night. My hair is falling out in clumps. My acne is terrible. I'm having such like stomach problems because I just can't like relax in any way, shape or form. And like, I'm so stressed out. And I, and I, and it wasn't until like now or my senior year when I actively took a step back, took a step back and chose to like really think about it. Like, was it worth it to me? And like, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it to me to put up with these groups of people who honestly couldn't give a damn like what I said or what I did as long as I wore the shirt and did what they wanted me to do like that was great I was another 10 soldier and and it kind of like makes me mad because it doesn't matter three years from now what I did you know if I didn't have an impact and I didn't build those relationships I didn't need to be there in my opinion It, it wasn't great for me I agree I think that that's something I also struggle with is if I, I feel like if I'm not doing like everything if I'm not running at a, a hundred and like you said 115 percent waking up at 6 30 working straight until 10 o'clock at night then I'm failing and yeah. that I'm not doing enough yeah and that's something that I as I've started to acquire they like to call themselves my mentees I don't <laughs> think I'm a mentor I still think I'm a mentee I have a lot left to learn and I know that and I have my own mentors but like when these people come to advice for me and they ask me like is it worth it like should I get involved in this this and this it's gonna look good on my resume I'm like do you actually want to be there do you want to be sitting at that table no don't do it go excel somewhere where you're passionate about it you know or they're like coming to me and and they're like okay so I'm I'm you know, trying to figure out which one of these two internships that I want. One's not really what I want to go into, but it's at a really prestigious firm. And the other is exactly what I want to do, but it's at a boutique firm. You know, what should I do? And, And I'll, you know, tell them very bluntly, like, if you want to go work at that large company, then you probably should take that internship. Yeah. But if that's not what you want to do, or you don't want, you don't know, take the one that you love. Something is going to pop up for you. It may not be exactly where you want to go, but honestly, if you have your dream job at 23, I think we need to aim our dreams a little bit higher. Correct. So that, that, that's what I have learned. That's what I recommend. Follow your passions and figure it out because the sun will always come up tomorrow as a wise Annie says, and it's up to you to figure out whether you want to be up with it or not. True. I think that actually, you know, ties in really well with the the top five regrets of um of the dying yes of the dying it yes was, it was something that that went viral a few years ago i believe right yes so it was this article that went viral and has now been expanded into a book and basically what it was is it was this woman who had worked a lot in just like unfulfilling jobs for the majority of her like career and somehow I didn't read the full book. I only read the blog post, but it basically ended up being that she quit those jobs to go work in palliative care. And she was there because she wanted to make an impact and she wanted to learn from these people. She wanted to figure out like, what is it when you are in your last stage of life that you look back on? How do these people grow when they're faced with their own mortality? 
And she spent a lot of time with these people, you know, listening to them, asking them questions and kind of figuring out what it is that's on the top of your mind and what she saw most frequently. And then she wrote this blog post. And basically, like you said, it's the top five regrets of the dying. And I was like stunned when I saw these because she, when I think about death, I, I don't really think about like having to come to terms with my own mortality. Like, you know, like, you know, your body is going to decompose. You're most likely going to die of cancer unless you're a blessed few who die of natural causes at 85 type of situation. And so she she like wrote this, this essay and I, and I want to read, I want to read this, this paragraph before I go into the top five, because I think it kind of sets the tone and it kind of really gets you in the mindset of thinking about the fears that these people are facing when they're facing death and so the paragraph starts with people grow a lot when they are faced with their own mortality i never learned to underestimate someone's capacity for growth some changes were phenomenal each experienced a variety of emotions as expected denial fear anger remorse more denial and eventually acceptance every single patient found their peace before they departed through they departed though through every one of them and when questioned about any regrets they had or anything they would do most differently, common themes surfaced again and again. And so these were the top five regrets that she found. And the first regret was that patients had wished that they had the courage to live a life true to themselves and not a life that others expected of them. And this, yeah, and she said that this was, was fairly common because a lot of those people regretted the dreams that they hadn't followed or the dreams that had gone unfulfilled because of other expectations that people had left on them. And she said that a lot of them, when they reflected and she kind of dug and asked questions, they realized that they haven't even fulfilled like half of their dreams and, and that they had to like live with the fact and come to peace with knowing that it was due to choices that they themselves had actively made or not made. Yeah. I feel like, and I mean, we were literally just talking about that, about, you know, doing like choosing a job or choosing a med school based on what people expect of us or what people will think. And that's crazy that, you know, we're kind of realizing this as we're in our early 20s. And this is one of the top, top things that people who are dying are regretting. Yeah. And, and something that she had pointed out was that you don't think about it as your health is a freedom. And it's and it's a freedom that you don't think about until you yeah. no longer have it. So wow. that kind of yeah, it's it stuck with me because it it you know like we're at that point where you kind of are trying to figure things out from yourselves and and I I have to actively remind myself, okay, Mary Beth, a dream is not a plan until there's steps in place. Yeah, I I, also, I have to remind myself that. Um, you know, you have to live with yourself the longest. Yes. You live with yourself every day. Yep. Like your parents, like if you're doing something to make your parents happy, they'll eventually, unfortunately pass on, Mm -hmm. you know, your friends, like your family, whoever it may be, your significant other. These are very important people in your life. Yes. But they are not going to be with you every single minute of every single day and you are going to be there and you have to make sure that you, you you're enjoying your life and that you're not doing it for these other people because in the end 
you're the one who has to live your own life. Yeah. And that is kind of the second thing that she saw the most, especially among her male patients, was that they regretted working so hard because they missed, you know, their children's youth. They missed their children growing up. They missed their partner's companionship. And and a lot of them just regretted spending so much of their times basically on a treadmill of a work existence, you know, waking up, going to work, coming home, eating a late dinner by yourself, going to bed. And it's just kind of thinking about at what level of income do you stop making those sacrifices? Yeah. Like, do you realize you need to become more happy? And it was something, you know, some women had talked about this regret too, but she said it was primarily from the males because they, you know, in past generations are the ones who've been the breadwinners. And so they basically had to devote their life to one thing and one thing only. This is actually, I really like that treadmill example that you just gave because it really reminded me of something that my therapist had told to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was talking about basically working and working and working and trying to achieve this level of like perfectionism that, you know, is obviously never going to be attainable. But the fact that I was striving for it so hard and to be perfect and to be exceed everyone's expectations and everything. And she just like looked at me on the Zoom call, of course, and she just was like, can you recognize that you are literally just running on a hamster wheel right now? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And she was <laughs> like, you are, she's like, you're running and you're running so fast and you're chasing this, this dream. And you're just, you're That's expending not even your so dream. much. Yeah. And she's like, you're expending so much energy and you're not going anywhere. You're stuck in this cage and you're stuck in this hamster wheel. And she's like, if you just take a second, to breathe and step off of that hamster wheel, you'll realize that like everything else that you know you can work for and you can spend, you can put your energy into to actually achieving getting that like piece of food that's staying linked there and getting to whatever it is that you want to go and not just running on a hamster wheel mm-hmm. to go nowhere. And I was like, well, damn, I didn't need that call out <laughs> today. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of something else. Um, Another regret that she saw is that people had wished that they had let themselves be happier and they didn't realize that happiness is a choice and you have to actively choose to kind of step out from the comfort of familiarity and that you can't allow a fear of change to to prevent you from from being happy there's a difference between being happy and being content and really thinking when you're on your deathbed you do not think about what others thought of you you're thinking about the life that you live and the stories that you're telling to your children and your grandchildren and those around you correct i mean one of my friends has this really she talks about all the time how like when she gets really bogged down by like the minor details of her life she really thinks about like what's gonna be on my gravestone Mm -hmm. which is kind of like a morbid thought but like is it gonna be you know Brooke Fasano 3.97 GPA honor roll or is it gonna be Brooke Fasano daughter friend wife mother whatever that I may be but you know like what is gonna be on my gravestone and 
that is like my GPA, my grades. Yes, they're important, but it's not going to be the end all. It's not the end all be all. It's going to be the relationships that I made, the people that I bonded with that are going to make my life significant. Yes, I think so. And I think like that's, that's important because you know, I just thought for the past 10 seconds, what's going to be on my tombstone. And I have (laughs) no idea. Like if I died today, what would people say about me? Yeah. She was a hard worker. And she had an obsession with Diet Coke. <laughs> like that that that's like what people think of me, you know? Yeah. I, I really think about that sometimes and I really think about like what would what would be on my gravestone. And I I come up short a lot and it's really it's kinda sad that I really can't think of anything beyond like I was a good daughter sometimes. I was a good friend sometimes. Yeah. Like what would they write in your obituary? But that's neither here nor there. So the last two things, the last two regrets, they kind of um, can come together. And it's that people wish that they had the courage to express their feelings and that they had stayed in touch with their friends. And I think expressing their feelings is something that I really wanted to highlight because I am not someone who is known to really suppress my feelings in order to quote unquote keep the peace with others and I receive a lot of backlash for that because people think that I should just settle for mediocrity and that I by expressing myself that I'm basically destroying my path and will never truly be capable of becoming who I want to become and I think that I think that's a false narrative that they're trying to weave for me because I think a lot of people who have succumbed to mediocrity have a lot of bitterness and resentment that they carry for themselves and for those around them and especially for those that they try to keep down because the reality is is that you cannot control the reactions of others you can only control yourself and if you are speaking honestly and someone has a poor reaction to that then you're basically releasing an unhealthy relationship for your life and that may be a steep learning curve. I have had a conversation recently about that and how, you know, when, when I ask you how your day is, I'm, I'm actually asking you because I want to know because I yeah. genuinely want you to tell me how it's been. And I want to have a conversation and that can sometimes like things like that can take getting used to. And that I, I mean exactly what I say. There's no decoding it. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And that can sometimes take, people by surprise because they're used to people suppressing in order to keep the peace. Yeah. I think that that's a hundred percent true. Um, I also really am, am you know, intrigued by this, like wishing, wishing that they had the courage to express their feelings. And this is not necessarily a regret that I myself in my 21 years of life, <laughs> have Mm -hmm. so far experienced I feel like you know I'm also I'm not on the same level as you but I'm pretty I'm pretty honest I'm pretty brazen and brash with people but when I like express my feelings in any type of sense like in a romantic sense of a platonic sense like I I don't know I've never really had too much of an issue with that so I think that it's interesting that that's something that people really regret not doing yeah and I think it's also 
comes down to like how comfortable you are with that. Because if, if you make that a part of who you are, people are going to learn to expect it and people are going to learn to value it. But if it's not something that you feel good about doing, then they're just going to try to push you down. Correct. So, but then the fifth regret was that people had regretted not staying in touch with their friends and that the big thing was that they weren't able to really realize the full benefits of their old friends and their lifelong friends. And that, you know, when it came to their end of life, they weren't able to necessarily track all of them down and that they had really let what the author wrote as golden friendships slip by because they just got so caught up in themselves and that they regret not giving friendships the time and effort that they deserve, that they kind of let that area suffer. Yes. I, I have a fear of this and of, you know, having this regret when I am on my deathbed or when I am older or whatever, I already have this regret now where I have people that I just haven't talked to it forever or, you know, know that I'll probably never talk to again because we just drifted apart and it's been so long or we let stupid, like stupid, silly things get in the way of our friendship. And that is very much a big fear of mine is like, I've, I've lost all these people who are very beneficial to my life because of lack of effort or stupid, small things that could have easily been overcome. Yeah. And I think for myself, that's of course something that I've struggled with because I express my feelings very honestly and very openly. And I think you would be surprised how many people that you think you've let slip or kind of grew apart from that you think we'll never talk to you again that do want to talk to you and they do want to start having that relationship with you and rebuilding and like they themselves might not remember or might not care over like what your friendship ended over four years ago yeah so and I think again like a a lot of things do friendships do fail because people people aren't honest with themselves and they aren't honest and so when honesty comes from other people they can't necessarily take it but I think when people look back like there are key relationships that I can look back at that are no longer in my life but it was because those people had shared that honesty with me that I really was kind of able to sit there. And when I was, you know, fuming for a couple of weeks and telling people like the instance that had gone down and how I was so angry about this, you know, after like the third or fourth time of telling it when I wasn't, you know, steam coming out of my head, I really was like, you know, there's probably some truth to what that they said. Otherwise they wouldn't have had a reason to say it. And yeah. it wouldn't have gotten to the point to where they felt they needed to terminate that friendship with me. Yeah, I think that that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's also something that, you know, my parents really harp on me for, and, and my sister does, because my sister and I have very different priorities, and that she really wants to, like, build a fulfilled life, and she wants to have a good work-life balance, and that's something that she's actively aiming for. And I very easily get caught up in like the financial aspect of everything and like trying to get my financial affairs in order and, you know, trying to pay my house off in two years and putting all this money towards it when it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is 
who and what makes me happy. I agree. And I feel like that, that really rounds out and brings us full circle to kind of what we were talking about earlier is like the frame degree versus a living human being. Yes, I agree. I think so. And I think that's, that's, that's kind of where this whole episode of living with regrets has come from because it it's really about not regretting succumbing to a life of fear and a fear of the unknown and, and being honest enough with yourself and being open enough to really know who you are and what you want and figuring that out early enough to where you can live a life of fulfillment for yourself and make yourself happy with what you're doing and knowing when you're on that deathbed by yourself there's no one there to save you are you going to be surrounded by people that you love or are you going to be surrounded by stacks of money I both yeah you know or both we we would love both that's the dream but but, um I think that that's a fantastic way to kind of end and move into our last part which is you know the three things that we are thankful for this evening this episode and Mary Beth I'm going to make you start because (laughs) I am prepared I am prepared I have gotten into the habit before work where I will sit down and I take a moment for myself and I think about the three things that I'm thankful for. So I've been writing them down. So I have today's I'm already. Okay. So the first thing that I was thankful for today was that I was thankful for my independence because as we mentioned a lot today, and it was kind of a, a woven theme throughout was that my independence really gives me the space to make mistakes and to truly learn who I am as a person and I'm very thankful to be able to have the space and the opportunity to do that and I think the second thing that I was very thankful for today was that I was thankful for healthcare because it also provides me with a safe place to kind of cope with my feelings and to learn proper responses because I have some very bad coping habits, as my close friends can attest to, and it's, you know, come to my attention through one way or another that those habits can become very destructive into trying to build a life for myself now that I'm outside of college, and that it's time that I face those walls, and I face those fears, and I learn how to be a little bit less of a hothead, and so I'm thankful that I have health care. And that it's able to provide me with the financial means to be able to cope with that and to pay someone to talk to my feelings instead of sending five-minute voicemails in a message. <laughs> and then the third thing that I was thankful for is I'm thankful for technology because Ooh. it allows me to stay in touch with all of my friends no matter where in the globe we are. Um, and that kind of really touched me this week because one of my friends has also been struggling a lot with their mental health and she you know through technology has the ability to call me and to FaceTime me and to text me throughout the days to just kind of check in and, and and talk about something and you know if something doesn't sit right with her we're able to talk about that and she knows that I'm here to support her and I know that she's there to support me should I need it and it kind of just gives you a friend whenever you're feeling lonely to know that I still have access to that person and it's still important to them 
no matter the geographical distance between us. I love that. Um, Thank you. I think that those were great. Good job. Thank you. Very I've been reflecting. Yeah. I don't know if I can, I can say the same thing for that. But, um, so I guess I'll start with my first one being, I am very thankful for my mental health right now. Um, Mary Beth, as you know, and you know, some of our listeners probably know, I really struggled with my mental health this past year. Um, it has been really, like, really an ongoing battle for me to, like, wake up every day and get out of bed mm-hmm. and, you know, do the functions that a normal human being will require. Um, and I kind of, you know, felt myself slip a little bit last night and kind of had a little bit of a mental breakdown and... Um, you know a little bit of a relapse but it's okay for like very minimal reasons but I kind of caught myself like halfway through and I stopped and I thought about it and I was just like okay why are we going down this path this is not healthy um like there's no need to be doing this take a breath walk around outside splash your face with cold water breathe and then like take a break and then return to what you're doing and recenter and refocus yourself and it helped it took me, you know, like an hour to calm down, but an hour is better than losing my whole night because I was distraught over nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I am really thankful that my mental health is on the incline or increasing, improving again right now. I am also very thankful for my cheer coach one of my old cheer coaches okay throwback yes I so I've been going to volunteer with them I have been you know just about every summer since I've graduated high school and I go and volunteer with my old high school cheer team um it's a a great way for me to get volunteer hours and b I really do love cheerleading and do love staying involved in coaching um and she just really has had such a really big impact on my life and I saw her you know earlier today and we were just talking about about life about what she's been going through what I've been going through how to improve the team and I'm just really thankful that I've had such a positive influence in my life in both you know an athletic sport sense but also a personal life sense as well in general and I think that she has been just a really great person for me to be able to rely on um and then uh the last thing I'm thankful for which is kind of a weird one is I was recently doing, you know, some of my med school secondary essays. And Mm -hmm. one of the big things is like, what do you value most? Like, what are your top values? And I am really kind of thankful for that, not for writing the essay, because it (laughs) sucks. I hate writing. I'm a terrible, I don't want to say I'm a terrible writer. I think I'm an okay writer. But like, I really (laughs) hate writing all these essays. Um, But I'm really thankful that I had to do that one because it really made me reflect and look back and like what do I value I have no clue like I've never thought about it before I just know that I like you know the first things that came to mind were things that like I thought I should be valuing like Mm -hmm. I value equality which I do yes I value justice in the world which again I do but those are not like at my core things that I'm like deeply like I value this these are my core values and I kind of really had to do a lot of like soul searching and discover, you know, what they were and, and why I valued those things and how that has 
impacted each aspect of my life. And I was really happy to do that. Not writing the essay for it, but doing the actual self-reflecting was really nice. So yeah, those were my three things I am thankful for this week. And on that note, Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to another episode of These Are The Facts. Make sure to check out our Instagram. Give us a like and follow at These Are The Facts Podcast. And check out our new Twitter account where we post our daily shenanigans and whatever hilarious content comes to mind at TATFPod. I hope you all have a great night. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.